2: This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners.
0: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American
2: field goal kicker.
0: Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago sports betting show.
2: Touchdown, Ohio State there are some folks who
0: are celebrating and others who are saying you've got to be kidding you kind of know what i'm thinking about over or under under would be the key word
2: It will be a thrilling final few weeks to wrap up this NFL season. Locally on the Bears' front, can Mitch Trubisky continue this sort of elevated play all the way till the very end of the season, playoffs or not? And speaking of the playoffs, you look at the NFL landscape. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we have some divisions already locked up, but there is so much up for grabs. Just look on the NFC side alone. Uh, Both buys are still available. San Francisco 11-2. Three teams have 10 wins, including the Packers, of course, the Bears opponent tomorrow up at Lambeau Field. The last wild card right now belongs to the Vikings with a 9-4 record. And whether we like it or not, there's going to be a team coming out of the NFC East, and they're going to have a home game in the wild card round. So this week on Early Odds, we bring in someone you are very familiar with. His name, Eli Herskovich executive producer of radio.com sports. You better you bet. I host that show a couple times a week and sometimes he host it like you did on Friday night with me. We did a fun four hour show. Welcome back, Eli. How's it feel to be back on the score? Good to be back,
1: man. And thanks for having me on. I always enjoy talking some football and hoops and college football with you. Always a good time.
2: And for people that have not checked in on the show, some know this, but some don't. We like to have fun on the show. And last night, I found out that you have not seen a Christmas story and you have not seen National Lampoon's Christmas vacation in your lifetime. Around Christmas time, when people refer to Ralphie or you'll shoot your eye out or there's a hawk sweater with Griswold on the back, you've no idea what they're talking about.
1: Usually I stay silent in those situations, and uh, yes, you're correct. I have no idea what those kinds of people are talking about, whoever they are. Have
2: you ever seen a Griswold hockey sweater, Hawk sweater? Probably, but I can't remember because I wouldn't have been able to recognize it. This is outrageous. This holiday season, when you have all this time off, uh, you better watch one of those movies. (laughs) Ridiculous. And I do appreciate you reminding me on the show last night that you are Jewish because I had no idea, Eli Hershkovich, that you, were, that you are Jewish. But we are here to break down the NFL. I want to go big picture, sort of, with you. Not so much the playoff race. We, we talk about that a lot on the show as well. But we're in this part of the season where we're making some guesses. And I've heard people talk about this all week from a handicapping perspective about motivation. And the Jaguars have given up. They're not going to show up. Are you sure? I bet you there are some players that have have not given up. Uh, The Cowboys, they're not playing for their coach anymore. People just throw this stuff out there. Carolina, they fired Ron Rivera. They were doubled up by the Falcons last week. They're not going to show up again. I think that's quite a leap. Over a one or two game sample size to jump out, say that sort of stuff, and just to fade those teams based on that. I mean, that is baked into the line. This Jaguars team, they're at a six and a half point underdog to the Oakland Raiders. Should the Oakland Raiders be favored by a touchdown over anyone? I'm staying away from these games. How are you approaching it? No,
1: you're right. But at the same time, and I know we have a couple of these bets if we look at some of the matchups here for the NFL week 15 card, but sometimes you have to bet bad teams, right? Uh, That's kind of the way to go about it. For me, at least down the stretch, when you're looking at spots and you might say, well, the Jaguars are in a letdown spot, but if you could find matchup advantages within it, and like you mentioned, the line is inflated because people expect the Jaguars to not show up, then you might find value in the line. So, If you want to take advantage of inflated lines because some sharp bettors or public bettors think that a team won't show up and the motivation isn't there, you might get a little value in that line.
2: Wouldn't you want something else to back it up, though? That's my entire point. If all of your handicapping is based on they quit, they're not showing up again the rest of the season, I would think twice. Yeah, then I wouldn't probably respect
1: you as a handicapper if you're capping on motivation alone. There are so many other factors, as you know, Joe, that go into all of our bets.
2: Yeah, no question. I want to start with a game that both of us happen to like, and it's San Francisco at Atlanta. It's the largest point spread that we have of the week and the Niners are 11 point favorites with a total of 48 and you can kind of understand why San Francisco is favored by so much but I'm looking at the last 3 weeks and you just mentioned situational spots Eli I think this is a good spot to go against San Francisco so impressive last week with their win at New Orleans putting up 48 points they win that shootout 48 to 46 and they had back-to-back tough road games. They were coming off a street fight against the Baltimore Ravens. Weren't able to pull off that victory. Not many people are taking it to the Ravens at all this year. San Francisco hung with them, losing by a field goal. And let's not forget that on November 24th, Sunday night football against the Packers, it was over in about four minutes flat. They just crushed the Packers 37-8. to And there's a chance that San Francisco is looking ahead to a divisional matchup next week against the LA Rams. They get Atlanta this week after back-to-back, very difficult road games. I think they let up a little bit. Atlanta is playing uh, more like the team we were expecting at the beginning of the season, and they decide to hang on to Dan Quinn. and, And they've been competing. They won three of their last five games. I'm taking the Falcons and the 11 points.
1: Yeah, it's a great spot for Atlanta. Like you mentioned, San Francisco coming off that massive win, uh, the game-winning field goal by Robbie Gold. So you're coming back home against an Atlanta team without one of your best cornerbacks on the field in Richard Sherman. And I know this Atlanta offense isn't what New Orleans is, but you still have a pretty good quarterback, or above-average quarterback, maybe not pretty good, in Matt Ryan. You have the weapons on the outside, one of the best wide receiver combos when they're healthy in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, so there's a matchup advantage, like I mentioned earlier, for this Falcons offense when you're getting 10.5 points. And I'm not saying I go off of trends, but when you have a trend to go along with the game, it's always nice when you have the advantages, the plus advantages, uh, along with the spot. And Kyle Shannon, as the 49ers coach, is 4-9-1 against the spread as a favorite. So if you're looking at it from the spot and saying, well, they're coming off a massive win, like you mentioned, the Baltimore game before that. So the perception of San Francisco is, well, this team is really good. You can fade them in these type of spots, even though the 49ers under Shanahan haven't always been a playoff team. I like Atlanta a lot getting ten and a half, 11.
2: All right, both of us are on the Falcons. And I'm going to move over to the AFC side. A big divisional matchup between Houston and Tennessee. They are going to be facing off a couple of times over the last three weeks to decide the division. They are locked up with eight and five records, and all of a sudden, Titans are playing well. Public has been backing the Titans. Ryan Tannehill playing like the quarterback he was drafted to be. It's just happening at the age of 31, something not many people expected. The total is way up there. People expecting a shootout. This one has gone from 47 all the way past 51 to 51 and a half. The Titans are three-point favorites. That line is telling us, Eli, that they believe Houston and Tennessee are are even on a neutral field. I'm not buying into that. The look-ahead line was Tennessee minus one and a half, and I'm expecting a big performance out of the Texans on the road. I think they're live to win this one, and they are coming off a really bad loss against Denver. The final score was a couple of touchdowns, but throughout that game, it was much worse than that. That was a surprise of the week, the way Drew Locke was able to perform in his first career road game. I'm going to take the Texans plus three. Uh, I'm not in on the over. I've talked to a lot of smart people that are in on the over. The line is just too far gone for me past 51, but I'm going to take Houston plus three, and I think they can win this game outright.
1: Yeah. No, I like the play. You're talking about a Tennessee offense that has excelled under Ryan Tannehill and has become one of the best offenses in the league since he's taken over a quarterback from Mariota, but... I I feel like Tennessee is a little bit overvalued overall in the Mm -hmm. market. They shouldn't be a three-point favorite at home against Houston, even though Houston got walloped last Sunday, like you mentioned, against the Broncos. Derrick Henry is also questionable for this matchup. So, Keep that in mind. That the Titans' best offensive player, even though Tannehill is playing at this elite level, the Titans' secondary is beat up. Logan Logan Ryan has gotten burned throughout the season, and with Will Fuller likely back for this matchup, you would expect Deshaun Watson to be able to take advantage of a poor Titans secondary.
2: No question. You are not making a a wager on this game, though. I lean towards the over. Like you mentioned, it's all the way up to forty-one.
1: Or, or fifty one, excuse me. And if you look at again, with uh, someone we had on the show yesterday, and you bet you bet, Brandon Wittmeyer made a point that do you want to take the over? Because if you're looking at what it was steamed up from from, from around forty seven last Sunday, I would lean towards the over, but I I don't know if I'm going to play it just yet. And by the way, I actually might buy out of the over at fifty one. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> That's why I said that after Brandon made a pretty you guys made a pretty good point so that's why I kind of took that out. Yeah,
2: no I should mention Whitmire originally from Chicago he lives in Vegas now he's a pro sports better and he made a very good case. And sometimes you think about these divisional matchups. I, I always cap these games a little bit different, Eli. When I see a big point spread, a, a game we'll get to in just a second, when I see a large point spread in a divisional matchup, I always take a look at the underdog. And I think you should always take a glance on the under. And this one, man, just a past 51. A few weeks ago, is anybody saying that Houston and Tennessee is no doubt going to be a shootout in the mid-50s up to the 60s? I don't think so, so uh, I'm not on that over, but I am on Houston plus three. Like I said, another divisional matchup here that you like, and you're looking at Kansas City hosting Denver. This line is at the Chiefs minus 10, total of 45.
1: Yeah, I love the Broncos here getting 10 points. If you think about Kansas City last week, the refs obviously screwed New England over when you go back to the fumble recovery that should have been a touchdown, but they blew the whistle, and the play was dead from from then on. And then the Nikhil Harry touchdown that the ref said that Harry stepped out of bounds when clearly both of his feet were in bounds on his way into the end zone. So Kansas City got the benefit of the whistle, but you think if the Chiefs had lost that game, and Denver obviously went into Houston, like you mentioned, blew the Texans out, this line is probably around eight and a half eight somewhere above a touchdown so i think you're getting value on the broncos because kansas city was able to go into new england and win that game Now i'm not taking that away from them that was a very impressive win for the chiefs but the broncos have a, have a match of advantage with noah their tight end uh kansas city has struggled against tight ends that can make plays down the field and font is no exception to that i know drew lock was able to excel against a, a rough Texan secondary and this chief secondary and defense overall they, they proved last week in New England that they can hang even though the Patriots offense has struggled in the second half plus of the season. Denver's defense though if you think about the Broncos overall they're top 12 in opponent's yards per play uh, allowed this year and we don't know what kind of Patrick Mahomes we're going to get with that bruised hand. Yep. So I think you're getting value in the line with Denver because the Chiefs win in New England, and I like the Broncos getting 10, even 9.5, just below the key number at Kansas City.
2: Eli, on those big dogs, Atlanta plus 11, Denver plus 10. I also like Atlanta plus 11, and Houston plus 3. Let's hit on Bears-Packers. Of course, a big game tomorrow. And we've got the Green Bay Packers now favored by four. Total of 40 and a half a week ago before that Bears-Cowboys game. The look-ahead line was seven. This thing reopened this past Sunday at five after that big Bears win over the Cowboys. And the way Mitch Trubisky has been looking. And now it's sitting at four. And it was uh, four and a half throughout much of the week now. Most books have it at four. Eli, uh, do you have an angle or a side in this game?
1: Yeah, you know, you and I argued about this game on You Better, You Bet, and it's a tough spot because if you think about the Packers, they're obviously motivated coming into this one. If they win out,
2: so are the Bears.
1: Two seed. Yeah, so are the Bears. No, both teams are extremely motivated. So this is a, a massive game, not only for the Bears to stay alive in the playoff picture, but for Green Bay too. It's not like they don't have a chance to get that bye. Can the Bears find success on the ground? And another great point that you brought up on the show is that they that they've shifted up their offensive line while they're bottom three in the league in yards per rush attempt. If they're able to find success against this weaker Packers defense that's bottom ten in the league in opponent's yards per rushing attempt, then you play ball control and keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers, and it also opens things up for Mitch Trubisky, who has been playing a lot better down the stretch. I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit in that manner. Akeem Hicks also possibly back for that for this matchup. I think it will be. Yeah, and that's huge to to slow down Aaron Jones, who the Packers, for some odd reason, didn't give the ball enough to last week against Washington when he was ripping through that Redskins defense, and they didn't cover the game as a result. So, it's a tough spot for me. I don't think I'm going to play in this game, but... I would probably lean towards the Bears.
2: Yeah, I also have a lean towards the Bears. I think this line should be three. I know there's a three-win discrepancy between these two clubs, but that's a flawed 10-3 and three that the Packers have. They've been very fortunate this season. They have not been tested as of late. I'm not saying the Bears have. The Cowboys' win was all right. Before that, we're talking about the Lions and the Giants, and everybody's sick about hearing about that. But, hey, it's something that it's certainly fair you have to bring up. And you, you mentioned the health of Hicks. We expect him to be on the field, but the question is, it's not, is he starting? The question is, how many snaps is he going to be out there? And will you get a 100% Akeem Hicks? I don't know. I don't know. I think it might end up being fewer than half the snaps. Who knows? We'll see how he reacts and what his cardio is like. But you have to remember that they're missing a couple of other key components. No Danny Trevathan and no Roquan Smith. And Aaron Rodgers is no Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, right? Like he sees weaknesses. He's going to attack those weaknesses. So, how much are the tight ends going to be involved? And now the offense seems to run more through Aaron Jones. The bottom line for me, the reason I lean Bears is because I think this line should be three, and it's been four and a half, five for most of the week. So, that's why I'm looking at the Bears. But it's going to be a field goal game. Flip the coin. That's where I stand as far as that goes. So both of us lean bears. There also in agreement. One college football game today, of course, it's Army-Navy Day, and all of the trends are looking at this total. What do you think, Eli?
1: So the under is hitting 13 straight games in Army-Navy, and if you look at the, their offenses, their respective offenses, coming into this matchup, the total right now around 405 It's so low, again, because of how many times the under has hit uh, over the last decade plus. But if you think about how good these two teams are in the red zone, if you go back to last season, they didn't really have a lot of opportunities uh, in the red zone, and their offenses reflected upon that in terms of their overall production throughout the season. But Army is number six in the country in red zone efficiency, and Navy is number one in the country, in red zone efficiency. So if these two teams are able to get inside the 20, I would expect a lot of points. As a result, I think there's value in the total, and I would lean towards an over 40, over 40.5.
2: Over 40.5, going against the trend. Yeah, there's going to be so many people on this just because of the recent history. Joe Ostrowski with Eli Hershkovich, Sports Radio 670, The Score. And Eli, the listeners know your thing is college basketball, and uh, when everybody else been paying attention to the NFL, to college football, a little NBA, you're grinding college hoops every single day, and we, we get a nice slate of games today, and the highlight is Oregon at Michigan. The Wolverines are favored by three with a total of 138.
1: I lean towards Oregon in this matchup. I obviously have Oregon futures, as Joe alluded to, and Michigan coming off a a letdown at Illinois, and you're coming back home for a Michigan team that shot under 20% at Illinois and Champaign, you would expect a bounce back from them offensively, and that's Oregon's biggest liability, is defending the three. So if you're looking to bet this game, even though I mentioned Oregon against the spread, I would lean even harder towards betting it live because I would expect a fast start from Michigan if they're able to control the tempo and control the glass. And they should be able to with Justin out, one of Oregon's many transfers coming into this season. So if Michigan gets out to a hot start and Oregon is, is getting 8, 9, 10, even mm. higher than 10 live, if Michigan jumps out to an early lead, I would definitely look towards betting Oregon live. It's it's a similar situation to when Oregon was in the battle for Atlantis and they were down 19 points in the second half against Seton Hall when they were down early by double digits against Gonzaga in the next round of that tournament. And they came back in both. Now they didn't beat Gonzaga in overtime, but they covered both lines in terms of if you're able to get value on them live. So, there's definitely going to be value out there for Oregon if Michigan jumps out to a hot start. If not, and the number is around what it opened at or what it closed at as well, if you're getting three, if you're getting four live, I would consider taking the Ducks there too, even though they're also without their five-star big, Dante, who is yet to play this season. So overall for Oregon, if you could find a price of a future around 33-1, <laughs> to 30-1, to one, to is as low as I would take it. I would bet Ducks futures before this game, because if they're able to beat Michigan on the road, even Mm -hmm. though Michigan has had their struggles in two of their last three matchups at Louisville and at Illinois – there's value in a Ducks team that's going to get even better when Dante
2: comes back. All right, get off my back already. There are 33-1s to 1s available right now before this game tips, and uh, not everybody's on Twitter, Eli, so they don't know that you've been harping on Oregon and Maryland futures. I think Maryland right now with their number, maybe it'll come back once uh, we get deeper to, to Big Ten play here, but I think it's unbettable right now at 15-1. to 1. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, there's no value in betting Maryland to win the title at this point. I don't ex- I got them at 50 to 1 over the summer, which is why there's some value in looking into college basketball futures in June. I get no one wants to do that. But right, you're not you're not going to bet on Maryland at 50 to 1 right now. I, I, I don't expect the number to get much better, but there's absolutely no value in betting that.
2: All right, Eli, this was fun talking to you uh, on the score once again. Uh, Maybe we'll be able to do it soon or more often. We're going full steam into college basketball season. Now, the rest of the world is going to start to pay attention like you have.
1: Correct. And if Oregon wins tomorrow, you'll be sure to find duck emojis, duck gifts. Everything ducks will, uh, I'll be tweeting out from about 2 o'clock. Should have cut this off already. If Oregon pulls this
2: one off. Oh, my gosh. All right, Eli. We know. We know. Thank you very much. Eli Herskovich, executive producer and sometimes co-host on You Better You Bet on the Radio.com app. Make sure you check out the podcast as well. I know you're busy at night. It's 5 to 9 p.m. Central Time every single night. But uh, the podcast, Eli, does a great job picking out the best stuff. So uh, it's can't miss stuff if you're into the world of sports betting. Eli's on Twitter by his name, at Eli Hershkovich. I'm at Joe0670. And make sure you follow our show account for some great video clips throughout the week at You Better You Bet. Well, MLB's top three free agents, all signed, sealed, delivered, a couple $245 million deals, and a 324 mega contract. Yankees. Three-to-one favorites to win the 2020 World Series. Hot stove has been really fun, hasn't it? Yeah, it exists still. And when we have it, baseball does it right. Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel are next with Inside the Clubhouse right here on Sports Radio 670. The score, best of luck this weekend, everyone.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.